Hey, good morning. Thanks for being here today. So glad you're here. Uh, we were not here last week. Uh, I was busy uh, trying to run a half marathon. Uh, I survived and uh, I should, I thought this morning, like, man, I should wear that medal when I walk up there. Uh, I'm really proud of that. Um, it was, it was hotter and harder than I thought it was going to be, but I survived. So uh, I miss always when we uh, are not able to be here to worship with y'all. Uh, there's very few Sundays that I miss in a year, uh, but I always miss being here uh, when we do. So we're in this year of discipleship, week number 46 uh, in the Bible reading plan uh, F260. I just realized I didn't invite the folks in service number one to join us uh, in that reading plan. I know we've only got a few weeks left in this year, believe it or not, but we would love for you to jump in with us as we finish out this year, week number 46. So Bible reading plan online or physical copies over at Next Steps. Uh, we are finishing up the series today, Spirit and Truth. So we've been in the New Testament. We've been really this year working through the story of God through the scriptures. Spirit and Truth, this series has been about the Spirit of God who is taking the truth of God, the gospel, to the ends of the earth. And so the church is born and begins to expand. And what we are seeing in this series is, is really the implications of the gospel going out into the world. And churches begin to uh, be planted and people one to Jesus. And it's all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus's uh, death, burial, and resurrection, which is in contrast to the bad news of our sinfulness. We need a savior to redeem us from our sin. And so the last few weeks we've been talking about the gospel and how the gospel changes us and it gives us this new identity. It puts us into the family of God. And, and then we begin to preach the gospel to ourselves. And, and, and the deeper we get in the gospel, the more we preach it to ourselves, then we begin to evangelize. We begin to uh, preach that gospel to others. And, uh, you know, this year of discipleship has, has been really all about us rooting ourselves so deeply in the gospel that it just flows out of it, that spills out of our lives, that, that the grace of God fills us and it is what, what motivates us, motivates how we think and what we do. And it is the why uh, underneath everything that we do as a church and as followers of Jesus is this gospel. And so one of the implications that we see, we're going to be back this morning in the book of Acts. We've been kind of bouncing around a little bit, um, really out of the book of Acts as the church is spreading across the globe. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the subject matter today of persecution, persecution. And uh, I have struggled with this, this topic. We did something a little different this year in this year of discipleship where we've got really 52 weeks of uh, direction that, that's kind of pre-planned. And it's not me planning what I'm going to preach on. It's basically me looking at a list and going, okay, this is the passage, this is the scripture, and then I form a sermon um, out of that. Now, there's times where I've kind of gone off you know, in my own direction, but this is a week where um, the subject matter is about persecution, and I've kind of struggled with, with speaking on this. Even as, you know, as, as recently as, as last night, I thought, God, why are we going to talk about persecution? Um, this doesn't necessarily feel like it's always a pertinent, pertinent is the word, uh, topic in 2022 for uh, Americans, um, Christ followers. But I can assure you this, this is very pertinent globally. There are, there are many, 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 and we're going to talk about this in a moment, uh, across the globe that face persecution because of the name of Jesus, because they've put their faith in Christ. 
And, and I've, so I've kind of questioned, like, God, why are we talking about persecution? Because here's the reality is I don't feel like we fully understand what persecution looks like as American Christians in 2022. And so, um, you know, I, I don't like to call a sermon, I like to call it a sermon, not a talk, but this morning is this interesting kind of blend because I, I kind of fumbled through this first service because I really have just struggled with this, this subject matter because again, I, I've not, I don't feel like I've really experienced persecution because of my faith in Christ. And yet I believe that God wants us to consider this subject matter. And so today, this morning's sermon isn't going to be all peppy and make you feel great. Uh, I think it's more sober. And, uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a healthy thing that we sometimes wrestle through things and consider things. And so, you know, as I've kind of sat before God and said, why are we talking about persecution? Um, I think there's a number of reasons why God might have us here this morning. Um, one, maybe it's to give us perspective, that we don't have, again, that we lose out on because we are um, in a very blessed nation. We, uh, we have a lot of freedoms. And I think about coming off of Veterans Day, the freedoms that we have because of those who have served. And so I think maybe for some of us, we need a, a perspective, um, a change in perspective. Um, I think maybe there's folks that individually or personally are going through some type of persecution on some level or maybe will. Um, maybe this is preparation for some of us that will uh, face persecution. Maybe in light of what God wants to do in our church, because we are becoming a church that is serious about the gospel and what we do with the gospel. Um, maybe this is preparation for a time when we as a church face persecution because we're standing firmly upon the gospel. And it's not something that we want to necessarily think about. Um, but it is a reality. And so I want us to, to walk into this time with um, hearts that are open. We always pray that God would open our ears uh, to hear what he has to say to us because it's easy to, to, to listen but not have open ears, right? To have hearts that are open. So I would invite you to just bow your heads with me this morning. Let's ask the Lord to, um, let's invite him to speak his word into our hearts this morning. Whatever it is that he wants to say to us. And Lord, that is our prayer, that you would meet with us. We know that you are here. We have, um, we have come into this place because you have invited us to come around your throne. And we don't invite you to come in. You invite us to yourself. And so, Lord, thank you for your grace that has called us to, um, to worship you, to give our lives to you. Uh, Lord, this morning we open your word with, with reverent um, hearts And Lord, we just want to see whatever it is you want us to see from your word today. And so, Lord, I know uh, every single one of us is in a different place. And each one of us is in a different um, place in our journey of faith with you. Uh, some that may have never confessed faith in you. Some that are down the road. Uh, many of us just kind of making our way along and trying to grow and learn. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us in whatever uh, place we find ourselves. Lord, uh, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to the truth of your word. Help us to see uh, wondrous things out of your law, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 21, actually the, the sermon today is called uh, Speak Up 
or shut down. We're going to be in Acts chapter 21 and 22. So let me give you a little bit of context of where we're at. Acts 21, Paul has been making these missionary journeys. He is on his third and final missionary journey where he's taking the gospel into these uh, new regions and places where the name of Christ has not yet been named. And he's establishing churches uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. And in chapter 21 of Acts, he comes to Caesarea and and he is gathered with his missionary team and these other local believers there. And his desire is to go on to Jerusalem. And what we find there is that his team pleads with him not to go to Jerusalem. Uh, the, 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 they believe that because of the Spirit speaking to them that, that there is trouble that awaits him in Jerusalem. And so if you know Paul, if you've been reading through with us, one of the things you find out about Paul is he's pretty bold. He's not governed by fear, um, but he is governed by the gospel. And, and just as a way of kind of bringing us into the story, I want us to look at chapter 21 of Acts verses 10 through 14. Paul here in Caesarea says this, it says, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. In coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands. And I just want to pause here for a second. This is kind of a dramatic little scene. This is a prophet, um, maybe an eccentric like preacher who you know does object lessons. And so he he reaches over to Paul and he like pulls his belt off. And the hope is that Paul's you know, riches stay in place, um, but he pulls off his belt and he like, he binds his own hands with Paul's belt. Pretty, pretty dramatic guy here, right? Agabus is his name. And it says, he, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. In other words, Paul, this is what's, what's awaiting you. If you go to Jerusalem, please, please, please don't go. Verse number 13, then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Paul said, hey, I get it. I understand what might happen to me if I go there, but I'm ready. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die if, if necessary for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul goes on to Jerusalem. He meets with James, the, the half-brother of Jesus and the elders uh, at the church there in Jerusalem. And, and he begins to talk with them. And, and these, these elders, these pastors there are concerned because of the Jews there in Jerusalem, the ones who are, he says, zealous for the law. And they believe that Paul has departed or forsaken the law of Moses. And so they're concerned and they're, they're warning him as well what may take place. And so here's a few things. There's three things this morning that I want us to see when it comes to the subject of persecution. Here's the first thing is this. Disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus, will be persecuted for their faith. And I want you to let that sink in for a second. Disciples of Christ will be persecuted for their faith. 
If you are faithful to Christ, if you are growing in Christ, it will come. If you are faithful to Christ, if you are growing in Christ, if we as a church are faithful to Christ and are growing in Christ, persecution will come. Let me, let me kind of define for us persecution from a, from a dictionary kind of perspective. Persecution is to pursue with harassing or oppressive treatment, to make to run or flee, to drive away to harass or to trouble. To be persecuted is to be mistreated. So you could apply this to different groups of people, but what we are referring to specifically is persecution due to your faith, due to your faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, it could be for you expressing your faith in Jesus, or it could be uh, as a result of you actually living out or living according to your faith but mistreatment and oppression that comes your way because of your faith in Jesus. This is different than, than adversity or just normal suffering, right? Because we all undergo adversity, suffering, whether it's because we live in a sinful world, the sin of others, the sin of our, our own choosing. Um, we all face suffering and adversity. Persecution is when we face adversity because of our faith, in Jesus. And so I want us to read one of the accounts of Paul and the persecution that comes here. Um, and, and, and I didn't mention this earlier, but we see this pattern so clearly throughout the book of Acts. This, this, that when God moves, the enemy, Satan, immediately comes to counter. He is always working against. So you, have, you see all these many, many people come to salvation in Christ. And then immediately, in almost the next breath, you see persecution come upon the church. And over and over and over throughout the book of Acts, we see this. Well, here in chapter 21, I want us to see another example of Paul as he is in Jerusalem and he faces persecution. So Acts 21, starting in verse number 26. So Paul took the men, the Jewish men there, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented uh, for each one of them. This, this kind of goes back to what we saw about Paul being, um, becoming all things to all people, that he might win some. And so he's kind of adapting again to this, these Jewish uh, traditions and customs. And it says, verse 27, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help this is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place, the temple. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. In other words, they drug him out of the, the temple and they shut the gates because they didn't want this, this violence that they were getting ready to impose upon Paul to, to enter into or defile the holy place, the temple. 
And so they drag him out. They falsely accuse him. They drag him out. Verse number 31. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. So the tribune was the highest ranking Roman official that was kind of um, on watch over this part of, of Jerusalem. And the cohort is his, his army of soldiers, which was, was up, to a thousand, um, up to a thousand men. So he gets word of all this confusion, chaos taking place in Jerusalem. Verse 22, he at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they, saw the, when they, the crowd, saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he, the tribune, could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. All right, so we see this, this circumstance Paul finds himself in. And, and I just want to confess and be honest, when I read these accounts of Paul and the persecution that he, he faced, uh, it doesn't always click with me. I don't, I don't feel like I, I feel like I, I just read through it and I don't fully understand the depth of, of what he faced because it feels like a, a totally different world, right? I mean, I've, I've never been thrown to the ground and drug because of my faith in Jesus. I've never had people who wanted to take my life that I know of um, because of my faith in Jesus or what I stand for. And, and so I, I feel like I have no clue what it means to face persecution. Do you? And, and when I hear of, of global persecution, um, you know, you know, one thing I realized that this year, this summer marked 30 years of me actually um, walking with Christ. Uh, you know, I came to Christ at the age of 17. And so for 30 years now, I've, I've had a relationship with Jesus. And that's, that's hard to, to fathom for me. But for 30 years, I really don't feel like I understood what my brothers and sisters across the globe go through in order to believe and to, to worship the God that we worship. And this week I came across, uh, I stumbled across, and I say stumbled like tongue-in-cheek because I, I believe God always lays these things out um, on purpose, providentially. I came across this article um, this past week that was about the 50 hardest places in the world to live for Jesus. And that it's kind of made my health, like, head tilt for a second. Um, to go to the 50 hardest places to live for Jesus. Like, I, I don't, I confess, I don't think about it being hard to live for Jesus. I live in, you know, Kershaw County, South Carolina, in America in 2022. And it's the conservative area. I don't think about being persecuted for my faith. I don't think about it being hard to name the name of Jesus. Um, in fact, the name of Jesus probably rolls off most tongues pretty easily. 
And so like, I, I started reading this, this article and one of the things they had here, um, I downloaded, it's from this organization called Open Doors and it's called the 2022 World Watch List. And so it's, it's basically um, uh, a list of the 50 hardest places to, to live for Jesus and how to pray for persecuted Christians across the globe. Um, incredibly eye-opening for me. Again, in 30 years, I don't think I fully understood the amount of, of global persecution um, that those who name the name of Christ deal with all across the globe. And so I just want to read you a couple things here. Um, as I open this up, it, it says, what is Christian persecution? And it gave some examples, and it says this, while Christian persecution takes many forms, it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. And this is why, you know, when we baptize folks, we talk about like baptism is an identification with who Christ is. And in many countries, man, if you're baptized, you're immediately identified with Christ and that, that marks you. And so for some, they have to consider, am I willing to die to identify with Jesus? Because when I get baptized, this is gonna put my faith to the test. It's gonna mark me. So it says, from Sudan to Afghanistan, from Nigeria to North Korea, from Colombia to India, followers of Christianity are targeted for their faith. They are attacked. They are discriminated against at work and at school. They risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. And then it gives some statistics here. And I, and I don't always, I'm not always a fan of stats and numbers, but I think these are, are really sobering uh, and eye-opening. It says this, in the last year, according to the, the World Watch List reporting period, uh, there have been over 360 million Christians living in places where, where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 360 million 5,898 Christians killed for their faith. I would venture a guess that, that not one of us knows one person who's died because of their faith in Christ. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings attacked. 6,175 believers detained without trial, uh, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. And 3,829 Christians abducted. And, and I just looked at this and I was like, wow, is that, is this really the case? Because I'm in such, you know, I'm in my Christian American bubble and I don't see any of this. So it seems like a whole different world to me. And I just want to show you a little three, four minute video from um, this world watch list uh, just to, again, give you some perspective. So why don't you check out the screens? This is Cappadocia. First mentioned in the Book of Acts, an ancient home for Christians for thousands of years. But it isn't just a home, it's also a place of refuge. God has used this place to help Christians for hundreds of years. Christians fleeing invaders, persecution, and certain death. And here, walking in the footsteps of thousands of faithful Christians, I'm reminded of how God used this place to keep his church alive and growing. But in many countries around the world, this is not ancient history. Millions of Christians face this reality on a daily basis. We've been living in the past few years, 
처리되었습니다. 그리고 우리는 그리스도인이었기 때문에 머나먼 곳으로 추방되었습니다. 이제 결코 도망갈 수 없게 되었습니다. 저희 이란 왔기 때문에 예나팔 베 이스라엘 만시만 미아레 타비아탄 와 바레 하민케 호드슌 다 카타르 나이옵타 온 샤크소 라하 미코난 베시 미간 디게 바마 랍타 아마 나도시데 바시 كلف ابونا مينا وابونا رفائيل بداوا الاحداث الاخيره بقى ان هو بقى كل يومين لا ده بيخش جوه البيوت بيستهدفوا الرجاله اللي موجوده جوه البيت وفي اثنين يعني والله فيهم هم صاحيين around the world today over 360 million christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith that's one in seven christians worldwide The problem is impossible to overstate. And yet, each of those people who suffers has their own Cappadocia, a secret place that God has provided a refuge and peace because no Christian suffers alone. When brothers and sisters around the world stand with them, persecuted Christians know that even in the harshest of circumstances, they will not be forgotten and left without hope. That's part of our DNA as Christians. When you stand with God's persecuted people, you're bringing the reality of Cappadocia to Christians all over the world. افرادی هستند که با من هستن افرادی هستند که با درد من گریه میکنن افرادی هستند که برای من گریه میکنن و دعا میکنن این برام خیلی قوت قلبی چون که اگه اونجا قدرت خدا نباشه تو اون مکان شما نمیتونید طاقت بیارید This year we've made it easier than ever for you to stand with your family in prayer with the 2022 World Watch List As you read it, see what God does in your heart and what he does in the hearts of your brothers and sisters as he provides refuge as he's done here in Cappadocia for over a thousand years. Join us in 2022 because we're one church, one family. So, you know, my goal this morning isn't to get us emotional or to make us feel guilty, um, but I do, uh, again, want to confess and just be honest with you that I, this has been sobering for me to consider persecution. To consider I've got brothers and sisters, again, across the globe that stand upon the gospel like we do, but are at risk in their lives because of their faith. And it makes me, you know, it, it, it is sobering. I think about, you know, in our church this week, um, one of the things we've been doing and just part of trying to steward this building and this facility well is we've uh, updated all of our uh, thermostats. And so, you know, what I've, I, I realized in the first service as I'm watching this, I'm literally realizing, you know what I've spent a lot of time doing this week? Setting the schedule for the temperature in this building through the week. Like I want our people to be comfortable on a Sunday morning. And some of you all are like, you're failing. It's way too cold in here. Sorry, all right. Um, but I thought about, gosh, I'm spending all this time uh, making sure that we're comfortable in a building. And there's men and women, boys and girls who are 
being persecuted across the globe because they won't renounce the name of Jesus. Um, I, I bought a Bible this week, uh, ordered it on Amazon. One of the men in our church, uh, I heard that he didn't have a Bible. So I said, man, I'm going to get him a Bible. And so I popped on Amazon, and guess what? Two days later, on my doorstep, there's this beautiful Bible. Um, and I get to hand that to uh, a young man and say, here you go. Here's the word of God in your language. Um, and yet there's people across the globe who either don't have access to the word of God or they don't have access to it in their language, or it's confiscated and burned, and they don't have access to the written word, the revelation of God in their language. Uh, and here I am, I, I don't realize the blessing of, in two days, I can have a Bible on my doorstep to give away. And so it's been sobering for me, and uh, I, don't, I don't understand um, persecution. Um, chances are that most Many of us will, will never face the level of persecution that, that, that we see here across the globe. Um, persecution and suffering, I'll say this, looks different for different people at different times and places. So our persecution, the persecution you may face for standing for Jesus may look different from those across the globe. Um, but standing for Jesus will always invite persecution. There is always a cost that comes with standing with Jesus. And I just want to read you a few scriptures here. Jesus himself said at John 15, 20, 21, he says, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Paul, in another place earlier in Acts 12, or Acts 14, he was stoned for preaching the gospel, but he continued to preach, and then he continued to encourage the other Christ followers to do the same. Acts 14, 22, Paul strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul is going around and spreading the gospel and starting new churches, but he's not giving this, this, um, you know, this glorified vision of what being a Christ follower looks like. Like everything is going to go well. You're going to experience your best life now. He's not making this all pretty and, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity. No, he says this, that on the way to the kingdom of heaven, if you really trust in Christ, and if you really pursue him, you're going to get into the kingdom of heaven through many tribulations. You're going to face persecution and tribulation. 2 Timothy 3.12, plainly, he says this to Timothy. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you desire to live a godly life in Christ, he says, you will be persecuted, count on it. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And again, this comes from Peter. So when I think of Peter, um, I think it's easy to say, well, man, if my faith were put to the test, absolutely I would stand up. Absolutely I would speak up. Absolutely I would not deny the Lord who bought me. And yet I think of Peter who said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And what happened? He did, and yet he is the one who, 
who was forgiven, who was shown grace by Jesus, and then he comes along and, and writes this in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So y'all, disciples of Christ will be persecuted for their faith. Here's a second thing that we see kind of that comes out of, of this story with Paul, this example. When persecution comes, you can either speak up or shut down. You can either speak up or shut down. So I want you to consider Paul's circumstances. False accusation comes against him. The people, it says, run against him. They, they seize him. They drag him out of the temple. They are seeking to kill him. It says that the Roman soldiers had to, to bind him and carry him away for questioning. So this is the circumstance in which Paul finds himself. Now, I want you to consider his response. Like, what would your response have been to that kind of scenario. If, if you find yourself in a place where you are, you are kicked to the ground, drug around with people seeking to kill you, how would you respond to those that were inflicting that upon yourself? There's, there's any number of ways, right? There is, there is lashing out. There's defending yourself. There is bailing out, saying, just get me out of this situation. There is shutting down. You know, you know honestly, if, if we were being honest, if we were persecuted to this level, I think the response for many of us, and this isn't to guilt us, but I think this might be my response is, you know what? They deserve hell. They don't deserve the grace of God. They deserve what is coming to them. But Paul, who believed he was called to bring them the good news of, of the gospel, he spoke up. He spoke up. And I want you to see what he does here in chapter 21, verse 37. And again, I'm amazed by Paul in this. He says, verse 37, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he, the tribune said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? So he's confusing him with another um, rebel from a, a different time. Paul replies, I'm a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, Listen to his reply here. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. Paul, in the midst of, of this persecution, he says, man, I'm begging you, give me a chance to speak to them. Let me address them. And, and, and what we find as we move through um, the rest, the last few verses here in the chapter 22 is, is Paul speaks up. He, he shares his salvation story. And we're not gonna, for sake of time, and we're also gonna be in the book of Acts next year, more in depth, but, but Paul, in essence, he walks through his salvation story. In other words, he tells them, hey, I was a zealous Jew who was persecuting the church 
I was, I was consenting to the death of, of Christians. Stephen, the martyr, I was consenting. I was persecuting the way of Jesus. But then something happened. Jesus intersected my life and turned everything around. I received the grace of the gospel and God has called me and changed my life. And so he shares the story of how the gospel has changed him. And, and I just wanna read a couple of verses here. Um, verse number 14, as he's kind of walking through his story a little bit here. Th these are the words of Ananias. You know, so Paul was blinded on the road to Damascus. Uh, God directs him to this man, this devout a man named Ananias, verse 14, he, Ananias, said, the God of our fathers, he's speaking to Paul, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And so Ananias says, this is what God has called you to. And so he, he says in verse 16, and now why do you wait Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And so Ananias calls Paul to put his faith in Christ because God has called you. God is a purpose for your life. And so Paul shares with, with this crowd the gospel and he shares the story of his salvation. He speaks up. And so what I want us to consider for, for just a minute here is this. Like how would we respond in the face of persecution because it will come. It may be minor compared to what we've seen across the globe. It may be on a more major scale. I don't know. But when it comes, how will we respond? Will we speak up or will we shut down? What I want us to see from Paul's life, a couple things. Number one is this. You will only speak up if Christ has transformed you. You will only speak up if Christ has transformed you. He has so dramatically changed you from the inside out. Y'all, this is the only reason that you or I would actually open our mouth and speak up in the face of persecution, in the face of, of, of punishment, in the face of death, the only thing that would cause us to speak out is if God has transformed our life. Are you hearing me? If he hasn't changed your heart, why in the world would you risk your life? Why would you speak up? It'd be much easier to go, oh, I don't really mean that. I'm not really that serious about this. So that you could go scot-free. The only thing that's gonna compel us to speak up in that moment is if God has truly transformed your life. Paul, when you look through, when you read through his story, Paul says this, I'm not who I once was. In fact, he says, I know right where you're at. I used to be in your place. I was the one who was persecuting the church until Jesus changed my life. He was a transformed man. God had changed his story and his direction. He had called on his name. You will only speak up if Christ has transformed you. And so here's my question this morning is, has Christ, has the good news of the gospel, has it transformed you? 
that is, that is why we are spending this whole year, y'all, going through the Bible. It's not just to preach sermon after sermon to say we've read through the Bible together. Man, it is with the goal of seeing the gospel that is able to change our hearts and save our souls. Have you been transformed by the gospel? It is free grace of God that he's offered to us. Apart from any of our works, apart from any of our deserving um, actions, it is the free gift of God. Have you been transformed? The only way that you and I will speak up is if Christ has transformed us. And also this, you will only speak up if you truly believe Christ has called you to go to take the gospel, to share the gospel with others. This is the only thing that will, these, these two things, the only way that we will actually speak up in this moment. We have to believe that he has called us to take this good news to others. For Paul, you know, in, in verse number 15, I just want to read this verse one more time. It says, here's the call on his life. You will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Paul is drawing back to this example that like God saved me so that he could use me to help save others. He's transformed me to do this. I've been called to do this. Remember what, what we saw in, in chapter 21, verse 13. It says this, Paul answered. Remember, they were like, do not go to Jerusalem because you're gonna be bound up. You're gonna be persecuted if you go there. What did Paul say? He said, I am ready. I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die. I am ready. Why? Because God has transformed my life and he has called me to go. This is the only reason in the face of all this that he would turn to all of those persecutors and say, here is the good news. You can be free of this hatred and violence and all that you are, the sin that you are tangled up in. You can be free just like I have been freed because of Jesus. Remember, our verse of the week, Acts 20, 24, Paul said it this way. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Here's what Paul says. He says, man, what is most valuable to me in my life is not my well-being, it's not my safety. It's not my health. The most valuable thing in my life is that others would have the opportunity to have life through the good news of the gospel. That is what is most valuable to me. And y'all, I get it that we may not be there where we would say, you know what, I would, I would lay down my life for the sake of his name. But here's my hope this year is that, again, that we would continue to grow deeper in our understanding of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us, that we would get to a place, if we're not there already, that if persecution came our way, that if our neck was on the line, we would say, Jesus, Jesus, I bow my knee to no other God but him. Put me in prison take my life, I'm going to give you the good news of the gospel that has saved me, the grace of God. Paul was clearly called to go, and so are we.
We've been talking about it week after week. John 20, 21, Jesus said to his disciples before he departed, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In other words, the only reason that you're still on the planet is to take the gospel to those who need it. That is the reason that we're still on this planet is to take the good news of the gospel to people who need it, who were just like we were, that need the grace of God. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. We are called to go. And so when persecution comes, and it will, we can either speak up or shut down. My hope is that as we grow in the gospel, we will be ready to speak up. And and let me just say this, one third thought here this morning. When you choose to speak up, the Lord himself stands with you. When you choose to speak up, the Lord himself stands with you. When you read through this account, hopefully as you're reading through your Bible reading plan this week, you get into chapter, you know, through 22 and into chapter 23, you see that Paul's circumstances, man, they keep going south. Like he speaks to the Jewish people, they want to kill him. He speaks to the Roman tribune, uh, man, he wants to, he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on and he, he, he pushes him off to the Jewish council, the religious leaders, because he doesn't know what to do with them. And then things just keep going south. And it keeps getting more and more violent. In fact, chapter 23, verse number 10, it says, it says this. And when the dissension became violent, okay, and this is, you know, keeps building, building, building. It was already violent, but comes to this, this elevated level. When the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. And so it keeps escalating. It keeps getting worse and worse. And finally, the tribune says, man, let's pull him out of here, remove him, bring him to the barracks. And so Paul finds himself in this place alone and probably feeling pretty defeated pretty discouraged. Man, God, I, was, I just wanted to do what you called me to do. I just wanted to give the gospel to these people. I wanted them to experience salvation and grace that I've experienced. And man, I don't know. Uh, I think I, I blew my opportunity. I think I lost my chance to see all these folks come to faith in Christ. And, and here is Paul sitting in the barracks alone. And it is in this place of loneliness in darkness, and defeat, that Jesus comes to meet him. And he says, it says in chapter 23, verse 11, in the very next verse, the following night, don't miss these words. This is just tucked into the midst of this whole story. The following night, the Lord stood by him. And he said, take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, his testimony, it wasn't just a bunch of feel good, uh, extra stuff. It was the facts about Jesus. He said, as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Here's, Here's what he says. Take courage. Hey, listen, Paul, I'm with you. I'm by you. I'm for you. And guess what? I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with you. 
what you have done here. You may feel like it was worthless, like there is no fruit from this, but he says, what you have done here, you're gonna do the exact same thing in Rome. I'm not done with you yet. And I'm gonna send you to Rome and you're gonna continue to take the gospel to people, whether they receive it or not, you're gonna gonna continue to be my herald, my, my evangelist to take the good news of the gospel. And persecution will come, but listen, I'm with you and I'm gonna use you. And God tells us, y'all, the exact same thing. Matthew 28, we saw, go and make disciples. And he ends this whole commission by saying, and behold, I am with you, how often? Always, even to the end of the age. I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you. I am sending you on a mission, but I am with you always. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 11, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this, this treasure, the good news of the gospel, the grace of God within us to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And so as we experience suffering, as we experience persecution, we're constantly being given over to death. But the more we are, the more we experience that, the more the life of Jesus gets to be manifested and put on display through our lives. And so let me, let me say it this way. If we believe the gospel, we can, be, we can be bold with the gospel. If we believe the gospel, we can be bold with the gospel. Y'all, the year of discipleship, the goal in all of this, I'll say it, I've said it over and over, I'll say it again, is to root us in the truth of the gospel, that the gospel would be the thing that motivates us to do everything if we truly believe the gospel. We can be bold with the gospel. Let me read you a quote and a verse, and then we'll be done. J.D. Greer says this. So actually, I heard this on a podcast. He said this while I was running my half marathon last week. He said this, the most miserable person in the world is the half-committed Christian who's just enough in the world to be miserable in God and just enough into God that they are miserable in the world. Ouch, right? The most miserable person in the world is the half-committed Christian, which if we're being honest, We've either been there, spent much of our lives there, or we're there currently. It's the most miserable place to be. If we're going to be 100% in, be 100% in. And be willing, when persecution comes, to step up, to speak up, to be willing to lay down our lives. Romans 1.16, Paul said it this way, I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Y'all, my hope is that we'll continue to grow in the truth of the gospel, that we would be not ashamed of the gospel. And I just want to end with this one last image that came up as I was looking through that open doors. I was looking through their social media page and I was just looking through uh, all the stuff that they do as a ministry. I would encourage you, there's on our digital bulletin sermon notes, you can download this world watch list. Uh, Actually, it'll be updated in 2023 in January. Uh, It's a way to pray for the persecuted church, how to stand in solidarity with those across the globe who are suffering persecution. But as I went through their page, I, I, I just landed on this image and this phrase Uh, that has just kind of stuck with me. Brave enough to be Christian. And it just, it made made me realize, gosh, if I faced what this man faces or what some people across the globe face, would I be brave enough to attach the name of Christ to my life? Or would I shut down? Y'all, my hope is that the, the gospel is getting a grip on your heart and my heart so much so that we would be brave enough when the time comes that we would proclaim the name of Christ boldly, not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. And so, Lord, thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for the goodness of your grace in our lives. Lord, I'm just so thankful that You have called us to yourself. You have offered a way for us to be freed of sin. Lord, we can know the Lord Jesus Christ and your goodness and grace. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to root us deeply in the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray for whoever is here this morning or listening or comes across this at some point in time online would hear this and be challenged because they don't know you. They've never trusted you with their life. They don't know the goodness of your grace yet. Lord, I pray that, you, I pray that they would turn their hearts over to you today. I pray that they would be willing to bow their knee to you today. Today is the day of salvation. And so Lord, I pray that you would save people. Lord, I pray for each of us that knows you as Lord, that would profess your name, that you are the Lord of our life. Lord, I pray that you would continue to develop in us um, a rod in our backbone, Lord, that is firmly fixed upon the gospel, that nothing would shake us, nothing would move us, that though persecuted, we would realize we're not forsaken. And so, Lord, thank you for this incredible privilege, this mission that you've called us to, to testify to the grace of the gospel. I pray even this week that you give us opportunities to speak up and to live for you. God, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to do that. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.